Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to One Love, One Connection, One Us, and with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. And Reverend Arlene Cahet. And tonight we are going to talk about relationship expectations and how they kind of get you into trouble. <laughs> so uh, I want to, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because uh, I see this sort of reoccurring trend with uh, with people that I talk to uh, in terms of of what it is that people are looking for in relationships. And what is continuing to happen over and over again is that people, when they are involved in relationships, because they've been hurt, because they haven't really taken the time to do what I say, take inventory of what what their relationship, what, what it was that they learned about their relationship, what it was that they learned about themselves in the relationship. And, you know, and going through what I would call those bumps and bruises that you may have experienced, especially when it did not necessarily end the way you would have wanted them to, there is this continuing trend of having expectations of another person behaving a certain way so that you can feel comfortable about being in that relationship. And when you're, you know, dating, I, you know, let's just say, um, 
I, I need to talk with younger people a little bit more to find out what it's like for them. But dating, especially now, has been, I guess you could say, a little bit more challenging because many of the people have gone through their bumps and bruises and they've got their preconceived ideas or notions about what it is that they're looking for. And they're still really kind of, you know, still operating off of that paradigm of finding that perfect person that they're looking across the you know, looking across the table from and that that person abracadabra is going to be the one that that they've been you know spending their time looking for and as a result they end up getting into relationships where <laughs> if they you know they get into the relationship you know, almost immediately without really taking the time or taking inventory of who it is that's sitting be you know, in front of them. And and also the also, you know, taking under really understanding themselves and what it is that they like and what it is that they like and they don't like and not really having a really what you would call solid relationship with themselves. And they are it, you know, they are projecting their idea, their story, whatever it is that they're expecting. They're just expecting that person to behave the way it is that they expect them they expect, you know, themselves the, the the way they want them to behave so that they can feel comfortable. I mean, it, it's a really it's really gotten to a point where, you know, that type of approach is a really, really disempowered way of looking at love, at looking at what it is that you're wanting with, you know, just it, it, it puts a person in a place where they're not really able to be themselves. I mean, it is a really, really selfish, selfish idea that people are are into with not accepting a person exactly as they are who they are and says, okay, I I love you just so long as you do it my way. Now, Which, I want to jump in here because as you and I talked to me, you know, earlier about this, I think that's just human nature and I don't really think it's anything new. I think people have always been that way. You know, that's just been relationships. I trade you very much. I love you as long as you do the things that I want you to do. I mean, because we could go back to our parents and our grandparents, and though times were different and women put up with a lot more from men, it was still the same way. They was just, you know, not as mentally empowered to step off. Culturally, you were expected to put up with a lot of garbage. Now, behind closed doors, you probably put up with a little less of that garbage, but, you know, out front, it was the man was the head, but still it was the same thing. You know, you're probably thinking, I hate this MFR. <laughs> you know, and it, and it could be just because he did something stupid today, but then down the line, he'd do something good to get out of the doghouse, and then I love you so much. Mm, that's just people until we elevate, until we grow mentally beyond that that basic animalistic part of us because we want to be satisfied. And, yeah, we have a tendency to expect 
the other person to do the things that make us happy. And what's really bad is on both sides, and, yeah, brothers, I'm going to put us out there because we do it too, just like women. We have an expectation that it's common sense. And there's nothing common sense about being in a relationship. As a matter of fact, I'm quick to tell people common sense is only in your head. It doesn't exist. There are no common senses. Not everybody can see, and that's a sense. Not everybody can hear, and that's a sense. Not everybody has the ability to taste in their mouth, and that's a sense. So those are real senses. What you're talking about is you expect because everybody you think you know thinks a certain way that other people are supposed to think that way. Seven billion people on the planet, and everybody don't think the same. They're not meant to. They're not going to. So there's no such thing as a common sense because that means it would be common to everybody. It's not. (laughs) It's the way culturally you think because of how you were raised and what you believe in the people who you were around. But you can't put that on other people. And people have been doing it, I mean, as long as I've been around. And I've been around this world for almost half a century. And so I have seen it so much. You know, it's like, well, you should automatically know. Ain't nobody going to like, how? How would I automatically know that? Do I look like I'm a swami? You know, am I sitting in a nice, comfortable chair with a turban on, holding up your mail, and I'm going to tell you what's in the mail? I am not Johnny Carson. I can't, I can't read your mind. you got to communicate. And then there's the – see, I think that's probably what the biggest problem is that we have today in relationships is our ability to communicate because words don't mean what words used to mean. And now, without the use of body language and everything else – you know, we've got text messages, we've got emails and all this other stuff, Instagram and everything. People don't even use real words. And so how am I supposed to know what you mean? I read something, and then I'm thinking about it from me. This could mean anything to me. I don't know what you meant. And then even if we face-to-face, because we've become so disconnected with human beings that we interact so much with inanimate objects, computers, with telephones now, that we've cut off that sense. See, people don't understand how the brain works. When the brain is no longer connecting receptors, those receptors lose their congenitive connection. They lose, you know, that thing that makes them completely understand. So since we don't use a whole lot of human contact anymore, we use more computer contact, the brain has adjusted to that. And so now, I mean, you and I, we could be in the same room, and we could have a conversation and ain't said nothing, and it don't mean nothing, and we ain't really connected on the darn thing. And you asked me a week <laughs> later, remember we talked about this, that, and the other? And I'm like, no. But you said, I did? Huh. Once upon a time, we didn't have that. You know, to communicate with someone from a distance, the commercial came on and said, reach out and touch someone. Even in the commercial, they emphasized the human touch because it's that important. My bell, reach out and touch someone. You know, pick up the telephone and hear somebody's voice. Now, we don't need a telephone. Not unless you can play games on it. It could tell you your location and how to get to the nearest restaurant. You know, everything but to actually make a call. Because <laughs> the last thing I want to do is call you. I would rather type, you know, not that I can type faster than I can talk. Some people can, but even that's a shame. 
Because where's the actual art of communication? And I think that's the biggest problem with relationships. And I'm, I, I want to give the mic back to you, but I also want to say this. With young folks that I know, and I'm not going to stereotype because they come in a lot of different, you know, mindsets. But a lot of young people today, they're not really looking or thinking for the long haul when it comes to relationships. It's I got to get mine. Men and women alike. Women are having more sexual partners than what they used to traditionally have. And men, well, they are too. You know, there used to be a time when a player was a rare breed. Now every clod off the block wants to be a player, you know, (laughs) and he's trying to handle more women than he can handle. You know, you got the girl on the fifth floor, you got the girl on the fourth floor, and you got the girl in school. You think you ain't going to get caught? Because ain't nobody taught you how to play this game. You got everybody in the same circle. You know, then you don't really know how to handle it. You don't know how to talk. Not saying that there's, you know, a right and a wrong way, but there's a right and a wrong way. And you just shouldn't be doing it at all. But everybody wants to be like that now, you know, because that's a badge of honor to be able to say, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Love. I mean, look, you and I, we both know about the marriage statistics, so ain't nobody trying to fall in love because we know down that road it's dark, it's damp, and it's heartbroken, and we don't want to end up down that road. But, you know, let's get out. Maybe we'll like each other enough that we'll move in together and we'll pretend to raise our kids together until one day you catch me cheating or I catch you cheating or we just all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. I need some excitement. And we move on. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, I suppose from from my my standpoint that that outlook is sort of disheartening and I guess it is. Yeah, it is disheartening. And I've been uh been doing my spiritual path ever since I was a teenager. And, you know, let's just put it this way. Uh during those during those times with every interaction that I ever had um with each of the people that I had been involved with, I did um spend some time understanding and knowing myself. And one of the things that I had learned um, from one of my first spiritual teachers, uh, the late Jack Bowen, you know, God in peace be with you, um, was that when you saw relationship patterns reoccurring, that it was something that you need to take a look at. And when, you know, I guess, that was something that really stuck out in my mind. And if I if I was to really be honest with myself, that was like one of the re- reasons why I am doing the work that, you know, that, that I'm doing the work that I'm doing now with the relationship coaching. Because I, you know, I really did have this genuine interest in, in understanding uh, how relationships work. And and I will say the re- one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this particular subject of expectations is because 
the because the as you put it that it's a a dark dank <laughs> pathway you know that that relationship uh that relationship track however i I had always had this there was a part of me the the romantic part of me the um, that that always believed that it could be better than what I had experienced. It was just uh, I had already I had already determined from the time I was a kid that I did not want to repeat the patterns that I saw the women in my family have where they they are alone living in a small town and none of them were married. One, only one person remained married, and of the women, I'm specifically talking about the women. One, uh, you know, only one remained married, and he and her husband died off. But uh, you know, none of them had had what I would call a successful union, and that was one of the reasons why. And you know, as I spent my time observing them, um. I never got really clear on what their expectation was, other than the fact that they wanted the man to do everything that they told him to do and be useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and because of that, they had this very because they they are extremely self sufficient, um, and they ex- had that they were extremely self sufficient that they kept from my from what I noticed if they did have any type of any type of relationship they generally attended to attract them men that were a little bit more weak minded yeah weak at least weak minded and would do what it is that they would say do but you know in the long run they don't necessarily want they want the person to do what they want to do, but they wanted somebody that had more, that was more grounded, that had more mm-hmm. integrity. And the only people who were, they were fabulous at raising, they were fabulous, or the one that one person that I can think of was absolutely fabulous at raising uh, intelligent, self-sufficient men. However, you know, being able to keep that for herself or get that for herself in a partner, it just it just didn't seem to happen. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I will admit that I come from a small town, and, you know, if you get, a, you know, whatever building or house that you're in right now, everything, everybody in my small town when I was growing up could probably fit wherever you, wherever it is that you're residing now. So I will admit that the pool and the pick was, was small. However, <laughs> however, they seem to have passed this on to the young women, you know, the younger generation um, in my family. But, yeah, they had this expectation that these men would do what it is that they say and never mind what it what it is that that man wants. And when I observed this, I decided, I was like, I am not going to be, this is, this thing is ending with Arlene. <laughs> you didn't want to be like that? I did not. I, let's put it this way. I, let's see. Um, I did not want to be like that. No. 
because on the, you know, what I also sensed from them was that they're on a certain level, and they never really said it to me, but there was a certain level of dissatisfaction because it was something that, you know, I think under underlying under all of it is that they would have preferred to have a partner, mm-hmm. you know. They would have preferred to have a partner. Mm-hmm. And, and what I saw were a bunch of women who were alone, and, and like I said, they have passed that, they have passed that on to the younger generation. Um, you know, the, I think I'm one of the few, no, I'm one of two, no. I I am one of two people who has gotten married, and they're you know when I when I'm talking about the younger generation, um, I I actually kind of define myself as Laura Ann Laura Ann Conyers, uh, you know oldest great grand, you know when it comes to that particular circle from down there, and um and uh, of the great grands, and there there are quite a few. And, and I'm talking specifically the women. I'm not talking about the men because I, I don't know the men. The men do something a little bit different than the women. I don't understand it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't. I haven't. You what know, is it I, that they're possibly doing that you don't understand. Well, I, you know, I haven't really had the opportunity to spend time and observe how the men operate. Uh, in their relationships and gotten the opportunity to observe the relationships as much as I have the women. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly clear on why it is. No, well, not all of the men are successful. Uh, Only one, one of the men that I'm aware of is successful. And then there's a younger, there is a younger great grand. Let Let me, let me, let me ask you, how do you define success for somebody else? So well, let's just put it. One of them are successful. I mean, what well, does that actually just, mean? It, let's just put it this way. Um, let's just put it this way. Well, the way I define successful is that um, they they seem to have an ongoing, you know, you know, them and their partner, regardless of how it is that they're, yeah, how it is. So you're referring part- to being in a successful relationship. Relationship. Yes. Oh, okay. And okay. and having so, well, you just throw successful out there and remember, you know, people are listening. If okay. If they successful, even though you were talking about relationship, you say successful, they automatically think, okay, so only one person is making money because that's no, no, no. I'm not. I'm world. Okay. In in this particular big, context, in this particular context, <laughs> in this particular context, when I say successful, I'm talking about a successful relationship. Relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the things that, you know, of the little time that I got to be with my, you know, my, my cousin, um, he, he and his wife uh, actively communicated. And don't put too much of the family business in the street, darling. Well, yeah, they 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 seem to <laughs> it appear. Slow your roll, Tuffy. Slow your roll. <laughs> don't stop. No, won't be now. Family business yeah. now. <laughs> you know, they they seem to have actively communicated at, between the two of them, and there there oftentimes they appeared regardless of whatever the other family members outside of them would have to say, appeared, seemed to appear as a united front. 
I, I mean, and, and that, and I might, mind you, I, I only got the opportunity to be around them a handful of times, I, you know, but this was, you know, I, I just, you know, saw a marked difference in the way that, that he related with his wife in comparison to the rest of the women who don't have anybody. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anyway, moving on, because, you know, I, you're right. I don't want to put all the family business out there. Uh-uh, you don't want to do that? <laughs> as tempting as it may be, you don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Don't want to mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> but, okay, so uh, I, I've actually talked about this a little bit earlier. And, <laughs> you know, expect you know after i had done like quite a bit of my own internal work um one of the one of the things that um i had begun to develop over time because i wanted a different you know different outcome for myself is just is just be in where um be in a place where I could just accept the person as they are and what they're presenting. Um, because I, again, my, you know, my one of my first spiritual teachers, the late Jack Bowen, um, one of the things that he had often said was that, you know, you can't really control anything else that anybody else does. And if you cannot accept the person, you know, for who they are, where they are right at this time, then, you know, you may not want to be bothered with them. And then uh, oftentimes when he would talk in in terms of relationship, he would talk about, you know, what what a person as themselves would have to do in order to transcend their relationship or change their outlook or their thinking about the relationship. When when he would talk about relationship, he always he was always going back to the self, going back at looking at yourself and your internal work. There was one time um, I can recall that he shared this story where where there was this you know this man and this woman that were in a, you know in a relationship and. And he, the, the husband, was having a difficult time being with the wife because she was ver- verbally argumentative all the time. Now, <laughs> you know, the husband was looking for a way for the relationship to actually work out. Uh, however, you know, you know, he he was tired of this 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 energy and this thought process that, you know, that he came across when he dealt with his wife. So um, he went to the, you know, went to the minister and he says, you know, you know, this is an issue for me. You know, how do I, you know, how do I get her to change? (laughs) And, and, you know, Reverend Jack said, you know, well, you don't get her to change. I mean, you're the one that's dissatisfied with what's going on, so you are going to have to make the shift and you're going to have to make the change. Now, the question that you really need to ask yourself is, do you really want to continue this relationship or, you know, or do you want to see what you need to do 
in order to make that transformation to be more loving and accepting of who, you know, she is and what it is that she's presenting. And so, and so the husband told him, well, you know, I, I, you know, I do love my wife. So what he told him to do is that you need to start, you know, as a daily part of your practice to focus in on those things that are more positive about her. You know, what is it that you love and appreciate about her? And do this at the very, I think he he initially told the gentleman to do this for a period of about 30 days, um, you know, both in the morning and at night. And actually write down the things that he found that he appreciated about her. And so what gradually began to happen was that he began to, you know, he began to have a clarity and understanding that what she was presenting had nothing to do with him per se, you know, when she would get in her argumentative state. And he, he one day when she was when she was you know yelling and screaming and you know yelling and screaming at him at one point he you know um, about something he just went up to her and gave her this really like strong kiss on the lips and he's like you know I love and appreciate you now the wife <laughs> the wife you know for you know like. You know, kind of like, <laughs> what are you doing? And he was like, no, I'm just, I'm just expressing my love and appreciation for you. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure that the wife wasn't quite sure of what to think. However, uh, however, she was like, you've been going. I think she, she knew that he was going to this particular Unity Church. And and he, she 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 kind of dismissed what he did and went back to arguing. But he himself had found his his own peace within himself with who she was and what she was presenting, regardless of what it was that you know. Now I don't have a miraculous story of saying that she made any type of changes. See, when he began to take away his expectation that that she would have to change in order for him to be loving and accepting of of her, then you know he he actually took his power back without having that particular expectation because she, as far as I know, the way that story ended, you know, the way the minister ended it. She never, she never went through a transformation, but the man himself went through the transformation. Uh, you know, the story wasn't about her; it was about him. Yet in a relationship, I mean, and even with that story, that's one you heard many years ago, which go back to what I was saying initially. You know, it's nothing new. It's always been, you know, do what I want, and then I love you. When you don't do what I want, I withhold love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But that story is a beautiful story because it illustrates 
what relationships is really about, which is growing spiritually. And so so many people don't want to play the spiritual game. They don't want to get involved in that arena. They just want to play the carnal world. And the expectation is, you know, this is a relationship. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And someone don't do what you want, then they can get upset, and it's your fault. You, 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 and they're giving away their power, and they don't realize it. And then they end up in divorce court with some high-priced lawyer who loves the you, 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 you know, because, hey, every time you, 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 you shows up, I send another kid to college. I buy a bigger house. I get more investment. <laughs> you know, my net worth increases, increases, increases. And mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Really, 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 people stop focusing on the outer world and fix your inner world. Get yourself straight. You want a relationship? Every relationship you have and ever will have is a relationship with yourself. And if your relationships ain't right, then you ain't right. You want to get right, then your relationships will get right. So fix you. Fix your house. Patch your roof. You know, get that basement cleaned out. Make you right. When you get right, then you'll attract the rights. Until then, you're going to keep attracting stuff, and you're going to keep complaining about it. And all you really complain about is you, and you don't see it that way. Because you got somebody who you can point the blame to. But while you pointing at them, you got three other fingers pointing back. They say four, but the thumb is always pointing forward, just like the pointer finger. So you got three <laughs> other fingers pointing right back at you. It's your mess. You the one doing this. No matter what it is you think they did, what role you playing in it? How did you attract this? So, yeah, he found peace. When he found peace, it's probably either she's either going to change, she's going to leave because he's driving her crazy because she's not getting what she needs. What she needs is a sparring partner, <laughs> you know? And when she don't have that sparring partner, it's like, yo, what's wrong with you, you know? And everything in her whole world is shaking. She came into this relationship because he was perfect for the holes that she had. What she needed, he provided. And now all of a sudden he ain't providing anymore. So she's either going to change so that she don't need it or she's going to sail on until she finds another port that provides her with what she needs in her life. All righty. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Yay, commercial. <laughs> Welcome to the Family Healing Circle, where we heal the mind, body, and soul. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays. On Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells, this show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hart, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. 
The second Thursday of the month is Relationship Talk on One Love, One Connection, One Up with Reverends Arlene Cahet and Harvey L. Bailey as they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union to have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship questions. Calling all brothers on the third Thursday of the month, it's the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month, we have the Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. Every Friday, let's talk love, sex, and nutrition with sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters and sex enthusiast Nakia Lana, the hottest sexual health and wellness and nutrition show around this is for the grown and sexy listen at your own risk if you don't know now you know the family healing circle on blog talk radio 7 p.m to 9 p.m it's the best in entertainment education and talk radio And we are back, and just yeah, so you know, I don't know who that guy was, but he ain't mentioned my show. Every fourth <laughs> Thursday of the month, it's the Inner Consciousness with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. Okay, so I don't know what his problem is. But we need to cut him off the payroll. <laughs> Budget voiceover people. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I want to share, you know, some a personal story with me about expectations. Okay. My grandfather was very big on a man being a man. You know, he outlived three wives, three wives, no divorces. They all died before he did. And he he had a lot of children, three girls and eight boys. And he was very, very big on men being men. You know, he believed that hard work, and in particular the military, being a Navy man that he was, but he believed that hard work in the military would make a man out of you. He believed in being honest and being about your word. And so that's one of the things that he instilled, of course, in his kids and as many of the grandkids as he could get his hands on. And so I hear you when you talk about, you know, the women in your family, your aunts and everything, and it's interesting because – and on my mother's side, because I really didn't know my father's side, but on my mother's side, and that's the grandfather I'm talking about, most of the men were married. Most of them were married. Um, There was one particular uncle who wasn't married but been with the same woman as far back as my memory goes. So why they never walked down the aisle, I don't know. But they've been together 
since I was uh, knee-high to a chicken wing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they've been together forever. But all the other uncles had been married. And for the most part, you know, pretty successful marriages, long-term marriages. Not, not all of them last. Some have moved on to second marriages. But they do well. They don't have short-term marriages. They don't move around. The women, on the other hand, one aunt was married once and only once, you know, and then she transitioned. She got married later in life, you know. She was deep into her middle ages when she got married. Then, you know, I have another aunt. And when she finally settled down and actually got married, that marriage last, lasted until she transitioned. So my mom was really more the odd one out. Yes, she was married. You know, I have a father, obviously. I have a stepfather too. A stepfather too, but it was it was only really there. So as I looked around my family at my cousins, most of them were coming up with two parents. Most, not all, but most of them was coming up with mom and dad, you know, and the fathers really tried to do the fatherly thing. However, let me say this. It being the 70s and then into the 80s, by that time we were into the teens and caring less about what the adults were doing. But as a kid, in it being the 70s, my grandfather's strong will bordered on chauvinism. It bordered on the language of his day. Women stay home and take care of the kids, and the man go out and make the money. And so, you know, a lot of that carried over to me. And with that, and then, you know, dealing with my mom and her situation, it became the expectation that as a man, I would take care of the family because that's what a man does. And so, you know, but not that the world know. I'm going to put some family business out. My mom had some challenges. You know, drugs and alcohol was a primary challenge for her. And so by the time I was 17, I was taking care of my mom. And that went on for years, actually technically up until she transitioned in 2008. But I was taking care of 2009. Um, but I was taking care of my mom from 17 on. When I, met, when I went into the military, I was sending money home to take care of my mother. When I came home from overseas, I had my mother move down when I was uh, at Fort Hood. I had my mother move down to Texas and live with me. And my mother was with me then for the next 10 years until I had to put her in a home because I was unable to provide the care that she needed because her health had deteriorated that bad. But even then, I became her legal guardian. So anything that they had to do, they contacted me, and I had to make decisions on her part. Now, the expectation there was that as a man, as her only male child, even though I'm the youngest, I'm the youngest, you know, and I'd always heard, you know, that, Women will take care of their mother. And that wasn't what I saw in my life at all. Two older sisters was not up for the task. But with the 
with what my grandfather instilled in me. As a man, this is what you do. You take care of people, but particularly you take care of women because, and yeah, it's going to sound chauvinistic, women are the weaker sex, and as the fair man, you do the right thing. You take care of your wife. You take care of your kids. You take care of your mother. And so in every relationship that I've had, there's always been that message playing in the background, always been that. And so there's always been the expectation that I am here to help. And I'm going to tell you, that may sound good, but that's a horrible thing to bring into a relationship. You don't need my help. (laughs) You you are capable of taking care of yourself because you probably did it until you met me. You don't need my help. Now, that's not to say when times get hard, we can't lean on each other. But and I'm going to go there. The captain save a whole mentality does no one any good. <laughs> and that's not to say that the women were hoes, but it's the same mentality that you look for, you attract to you someone who's in need so that you can step in and play the hero, care of them. And that's been a running thing in my relationship that I look for that. Well, not necessarily look for it because I'm not consciously looking for it, but that I attract that that I pull that to me because that's the tape that's playing in the back of my head. And so then it's, here I am, you know, chest stuck out, big ass across the chest. I'm here to save the day. I am your knight in shining armor. I am your own personal superman. (laughs) And along with that, along with that comes a certain mentality, and that mentality is, I need you to need me, otherwise I don't feel loved. And so a lot of work goes into overcoming that kind of mentality, you know, because when you are in a situation where the person no longer needs you, then you're begging and pleading, not necessarily in actual words, but your actions are begging and pleading, and sometimes your words are too, but, you know, you're begging and pleading for the person to need you. I need to be needed by you. Otherwise, what purpose do I have in this relationship? And so it's not a good look, but it happens. And that was, you know, one of the expectations that I've always brought into the relationship, you know, the expectation that you know that I'm here for you. And I'm expecting at some point you're going to need me, you know, otherwise I'm not here. I need you to need me. If you don't need me, then what the heck am I doing here? And when you no longer need me, then I kind of lose interest anyway, and so I'm ready to move on. I need to find the next damsel in distress. Anywhere know where some train tracks are? I'm sure there's a lady tied to one. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do carry along expectations, you know. But like I said earlier, it's one of those things where as you grow spiritually, as you do your work on you, then you can get away from the expectations. Because everybody, you know, and oh, let me say this, everybody to some degree, it's kind of normal for us to get into a relationship and we want something. So you have to actually get out of that mindset. You have to actually put behind the past, you know, all the the programming that you received from your parents, from society, 
from the culture that you were in, then you have to seek your own freedom and then find peace within your freedom. And then you can stop wanting because, you know, we, we, when we're not content with who we are, we put that on the person who we're trying to be with. And it now becomes your burden to make me whole. And it's never their burden to make you whole. We can't do that, but that's what we do, and that's really what expectations come down to. You know, when you talk about the women in the family who they just seem to be this underlying thing that they weren't happy, they probably weren't happy, but they didn't know how. You know, and what they were looking for was the happiness outside of them. You know, if I can just find a man who's strong and who's a real man, yet at the same time, he's got to let me tell him what to do. We can rule the world if you can push around everybody else and let me push you around. (laughs) You'll be the figurehead, and I'll be the puppet master, and together we'll be perfect. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because, you know, the perfect strong man doesn't want you to push him around. And a perfect weak man don't want to push other people around. He want to be pushed around by you. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Sure, dear. Whatever you want, dear. (laughs) They never found what they were looking for, yet what they were looking for was always within. Even in my own situation, you know, no relationship would have ever solved what it was I was looking for. You know, I don't need you to need me. And the last quasi-relationship, the last dating situation, let's put it that way, that I had, I had to tell the woman, you know, because we had known each other for a long, long time, almost two decades, and we had been off and on a lot in those two decades. And in this last go-round, understanding myself and understanding relationships the way I do, I chose to kind of keep it at a distance, so to speak, meaning we weren't going to be exclusive. We weren't going to just jump into the girlfriend and boyfriend thing as we've done so many times in the past. Let's just date and get to know each other as who we are now, and let's see if there's any chance that we are compatible, you know, because who I am today is not who I was the last time we were girlfriend and boyfriend, and it's certainly nowhere near who I was when we were madly head over heels in love back in the 20th century. (laughs) So let's see what this is now. And so one thing that I knew is that I loved her, and I always will, always will. And so when I said that to her, one day she said, do you really love me? I said, yeah, I really do. And she said, because it just don't feel the same. It's not like it used to be. And she was comparing it to, you know, 1999 love. 1999 love was a different hobby. You know, yeah, the body may be the same, and technically it's not because our body re- that changes every 28 days. We have whole new skin. But <laughs> beyond the technical, yes, I am physically that same hobby, but no, mentally and spiritually, I'm miles away from that guy. And so what I said to her was this, I don't need you to want or love me anymore. It would be nice for you to love me, but I don't need it. Back then, I needed it, craved it. It was how I defined myself. 
And so she just looked at me. She understood, but she just looked at me. Because what she was hoping for with me was that kind of passion. You know, though she always said it was overwhelming, it was overwhelming because it was the only way I knew how to love. It was like my very breath. I need you. Don't go nowhere. Don't leave me because I am nothing without you kind of love, and it's sick. But I'm not him anymore. That guy's gone. I love myself enough now that I can love you without demanding all that you are, without trying to take all of your time, without trying to smother you, without needing you to want me the way I want you. Now I can love you like I love me, and I can allow you to be you, and the expectation is nothing. I don't expect anything. Let's see what happens. What I need to know is, are we compatible? Because the best chances for me to have a, I'm not even going to say a successful relationship, I'm going to go there. To have a spiritual union is to find someone who I'm evenly yoked. And what I need to know here is, are we evenly yoked? And apparently, you know the answer to this. We were not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, so I, I, I do have a question for you, and this is just pure nosiness on my part. Okay, go ahead. Be nosy. Dig into my family laundry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to put it out on front street now? From the cut. Whoops, we can't curse on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the question that I that I have for you, since you recognize that this was a pattern within yourself that, that you had a need to be needed, uh, have you noticed that has there been a change in your relationships that you've had towards women since then? Since well, actually, I'm pretty sure I just answered that. Okay. okay. Maybe I missed something, but I'm pretty sure I just answered that with the most recent situation. Okay. I, I okay. just told you, even when she asked, you know, or said to me, do I really love her? Because it don't feel like it used to. So, Yeah. There has been a change because that was the change right there. The reason she wasn't getting that feeling that she used to get was because I wasn't, you know, obsessing over needing and wanting her as if, you know, it was the end of the earth if I couldn't have her and I needed her to need me. I don't need her to need me anymore. Okay. I'd like her to love me for who I am because I'm loving me for all that I am and I'm willing to love her for who she is, and I always will love her, even though we're not compatible. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Now, see, well, I suppose the reason why I asked the question is because, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that is the same type of thing that might bleed into other areas of your life. So that's why I was asking the question. Okay. Oh, it, it does. All areas are connected, but it does lead into other areas of of life. Um, so let me ask you this, because maybe just how I understood what you were trying to ask me was wrong. Are you asking of how it's changed my relationship with women in general, yeah. not just in relationships? Yes, yes, and that's much better put, yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, that is hard to hard for me to answer. And the reason it's hard for me to answer is this. My female friends, and I have a handful, 
But with my female friends, they're just friends. You know, once upon a time after my marriage, my female friends were women who I slept with. <laughs> and so <laughs> if I compare it to then, the doggish mentality is definitely completely gone. Female friends, take yourself and, you know, um, well, I'll say Lashana. I'll say the name of Cheryl. You know, it's nothing. It's just friendship. So it's not the same, but the way I am with them is I don't really think it's any different than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been that way with them. And as far as dating, the last woman was the only one who I've dated in in a while since I've gotten into this business. Mm-hmm. Um, as I told a ex-girlfriend last night, you know, my focus hasn't been on relationships, which is interesting because relationships is what I do. <laughs> you know, I'll actually be performing a wedding, officiating a wedding at the end of this year. But relationships is what I do, but it hasn't been my focus, you know. So a lot of my work has been with me. Have I noticed a change in me and my relationship with myself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can truly say I like me a lot better, you know, and not just saying I love me, but I like me a lot better. I like who I am and who I'm becoming, you know, and some days on the inside, I'm just bouncing off of the wall thinking about where I'm going, you know, not focused on where I'm at. And I have no problem with where I'm at. I get thanks on a daily basis for all that I have. Because, wow, it could be worse. A year ago, it was worse, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it's all good and it's all beautiful, and I've seen worse times. But who I'm becoming, the the knowledge that I'm gaining inside, you know, the love that I have for myself, the way I see the world. I will say this. um, As I've been doing my work, one of the biggest challenges, and I think this is probably moving away from your question, but I'll say it's still kind of touch the question because it's, everything's connected. All, all life's events are connected. As I, as I do more spiritual work with myself, I see what I've noticed, and it's only been 2016 that I've noticed it. I notice how twisted a lot of my thoughts from the past have been, and it comes from growing up in the hood. It comes from working in the criminal justice system, you know, correctional officer, private investigator, bounty hunter. It's actually been a mentality, you know, probably since law enforcement academy that that I I learned, and though I, I joked about it a lot, but it was always, this is a dangerous, vicious world, and I could always see, you know, the viciousness in people and not necessarily see the good in people. You know, it was either sheep or wolves, and the mind always focused on what happens in this situation, what happens in this situation. It's always jumping to the negative and what my next step would be in the negative all the time. It's always playing out scenarios when there's absolutely no reason to play out scenarios. 
you know, not even when I'm in a situation where there's a possibility of danger. It's always just the thought. And so as I start to move closer to love, I see how much time my mind is actually spent on being, you know, that soldier from my military days, that private investigator, that bounty hunter, you know, all of that stuff from my youth, surviving the hood. My mind is, is it, it's, you know, it's a tape that's been playing for so long that I never really realized that I spent a lot of time in survival mode and relationships was a respite from survival mode because when I was thoroughly into a woman, it was never really about all of the survival stuff anymore. It was all about her. Now, of course, out in public, I was always super protective, eyes all around me constantly, you know, looking up, looking down, looking left, looking right, something move, I've already got it, you know. So it was always that because it was the two of us that I had to protect. But that, I have noticed, you know, how much time my mind has focused on that which is interesting, and as you move closer and closer to God, you feel less a need for that, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you become, you move into a feeling of protection where God got you now, you know? Who got your six? God got your six, you know? I still got 360-degree security, but God at my six now. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Alrighty. Um, so I, I'm going to share. <laughs> sure, yeah, please do. Yeah, <laughs> I want to share a story, and and um, the you know one of the things that we do, we've done as relationship coaches is actually gone through the program ourselves, and so I had gotten to a point. In in my coaching um, myself, where I had started the dating thing, and I will admit that <laughs> I, I admit that when it got to that particular point, um, I I had experienced a little bit of frustration because dating was like a latter part of the exercises that we had to do. And Harvey knows this story very well, and we've <laughs> joked about it a few times. But I had dated this one gentleman, and um, one of the things is that one of the things that happens, especially when you get to that place when you do your work, you get to that place where you know you're not really. I mean, you you sit in sort of observation mode. But you're really not having that many expectations as to how the date is going to turn out. You just you just get into that place where you kind of let it unfold and become what it is that it's going to become. And in just being mindful of, you know, um, of just getting your requirement, you know, some of the major, major requirements out of the way. And for me, it was drinking and smoking, just, you know, um, a heavy drinker. A smoker, uh, you know, it's a no-no for me because, you know, one of my young people, you know, has asthma and, they, they you know, they, they taste like an ashtray. <laughs> Just, you know, hey, no offense to any smokers out there, but you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I went out on the date with uh, this this guy who was a doctor, and uh, you know, you know, we he had me pick out the restaurant, and so uh, we went. You know, I went to meet him at the restaurant, and you know, he brings out a bag. Uh, brings out his bag, and one of the things that you know, I this is just sort of nosiness and curiosity, and I and I'm quite upfront about about that. Just being my authentic self, I said, you know, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested. He was a cardiologist. I was like, so why did you decide on cardiology? And it, it you know, um, one of the things that he told me was that. Well, he he chose cardiology because, you know, his father had died of, you know, um, a heart attack. And it made such an impression on him, uh, you know, made such an impression on him that he decided that he wanted to become a doctor because he wanted to figure out a cure for that particular disease. And I was like, you know, and I was like, okay, so... You know, uh, it, like I said, in my, in just in my understanding of people, I was like, okay, so this must have happened when he was a kid. So I was like, so, you know, hey, um, how old were you when that happened? And I think he told me about six or seven, and that, you know, that was a surprise, but it was just like, oh. Um, and then, you know, as we go to sit down and have, um, you know, have dinner, it begins to the whole dating process turns into you know this conversation about money <laughs> it's just and he also you know i didn't doubt that he was a doctor but the bag that he had he started breaking out his credentials I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, okay, you're a doctor. I I just accepted that, you know, I had accepted that for, you know, at its face value. I, it wasn't that I had doubted him, and then, and then he, and then he starts proceeded to tell me. You know that a pretty face isn't you know the only thing that you know that that he was looking for you know that he wasn't he didn't base his desires off of superficiality and things of that nature, and I'm like, well okay <laughs> just okay and and he was like, you know i I would like to uh, be you know be with somebody that that is trustworthy and honest and things like that. I was like, okay, you know, um okay, that just uh, it 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 turned into something quite strange and and the reason why I'm talking about it because it was as strange as <laughs> because it was a strange experience, especially for me because I had never I had never dealt with that type of energy. But what he was putting out there was that you know that in addition to in addition to wanting somebody who was honest, he was telling me that you know that he owned several businesses, that he owned real estate, that. Um, you know, uh, that he owned real estate and that, 
that he had gotten some, he had did some of his work at John Hopkins University, you know, John Hopkins Hospital, you know, even had the debit card and showed me the debit card when it came close to the end of the date. And, 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 and what I got was that he was, he was asking these questions as a protection mechanism because he had this expectation that women are, you know, are interested only in him for for money. I mean that it it, it, it you know I I did ask questions you know of him that that were looking to just pull out the more authentic self, but he had had that whoever he really was, you know was hidden behind that. I think the one of the most authentic answers is when I when I found out that, you know, that he why he became a cardiologist. And to to just, you know, it just uh you know, it just be in the presence and the company of another human being and just being in that place of not not really expecting, but just be in a state of enjoying just being in the person's presence and just being accepting of them. Um, however, you know, because of his expectation, he turned this into a story that I'm sharing with you all this evening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what, you know, I, one of the things that I, you know, since he had gone on and on about this, and he was like, you know, and because it, and what was really interesting was because I, because I kind of brought my authentic self and sat there in observation mode, and and really just, you know, I, you know, regardless of what he was presenting, that had what he was presenting had nothing to do with me, and I had, like I said, I didn't really have that much expectations. It was just a date. I was not expecting to find the the love of my life, and and if you have that expectation every time you go on a first date, I'm telling you, you are it, you all you're going to do is cause that other person to you know have a story to tell, <laughs> have a story to tell. Don't don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do that. You just it, just spend your time just being yourself and and just. I just I just enjoy the moment, enjoy enjoy the the exchange, uh, and see where that person you know just see where that person is at and inquire about what's what's going on with them. Talk about their journey, you know, because getting to know people just in general, it, it can be a rather eye opening experience. <clears throat> However, you know, near the end of the day. Uh, one of the things that he was concerned about with me was that um, you know he wanted to he wanted to know what was going on with me financially. So I you know I told him, and I wasn't you know at the time wasn't necessarily in the best place financially, but you know since this was a big deal for him and he was concerned about you know a person who was honest. You know, I you know I had I I had to come to that place where it is what it is. If anybody who's involved with me, you know, has a problem with it, well, you know, let me know right now, and then we can be on on our way. Um, what was interesting was that he really, you know, because I showed up as my authentic self, he really did 
you know, you know, from his standpoint, enjoy the date. And he really, he wanted to continue on with the relationship um, beyond that. And one of the things that I said to him before, because I, because I, you know, I at the time was not understanding or knowing, you know, where he, you know, what he was thinking of me at that point, and it really didn't, it really didn't make that big of a deal to me. But where, you know, yeah, on my while he was taking me home, I, you know, I did say to him, you know, if you have this preoccupation and this concern about somebody being in your pocket in you know and and you're taking your money, you're concerned about gold diggers and their greed, and whether or not you can be with somebody honest, you may not want to leave with the fact that you're a doctor and you got real estate and all of this stuff. you don't want to necessarily leave with your money you know it it is just you're you're just asking for that experience when you do that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, needless to say, you know, otherwise I probably wouldn't be talking about it, but needless to say, I did not <laughs> because of the heaviness of his expectation um, because it, it, it became clear that, that, he wanted he wanted to make me a part of this empire that he was building. That was another expectation, and he was you know that there was this sense of buying me, you know, and that there would be an exchange of you know him buying me stuff, um, and for exchange for sexual favors, and taking care of him and his business, and it's just you know. Yeah, that was just not a that was not a lesson or a story that I wanted to partake in, and so I told him that we weren't a match. But you know, I wanted to share that story. Um, I to share that story. Huh? I think you wanted to share that. Story. Yeah, I wanted to share that story because you know, ladies and gentlemen, you you don't want to you know don't don't do that. It it, it it's just yeah, don't, don't do, do what he did. Don't, don't do, do huh? Don't do that. Yeah, don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That you know, the heaviness of your expectations of the way you want people to behave, don't bring that into don't bring that into I would say any relationship. You know, you we have got to change up our paradigm. Because here's the thing, you know, Reverend Harvey here has talked about it a little bit earlier, but you know, the way relationships and communication is going, you know, obviously things are not <laughs> going very well, and there has definitely need there definitely needs to be a shift. And what where we need to go in terms of in terms of relationships is you know, suspending our expectations, understanding ourselves more deeply, and and just accepting people where they are and, you know, uh, where they are. Because, you know, that, I guess you could say that, that thing that, uh, how did you word it, Reverend Harvey? The, the, that it seems to be a part of the the paradigm that you know just a part of human behavior or human nature mm-hmm. to to want people to do it your way so that you could love yeah. them 
Yeah. You know, um, it's not a very a holistic approach. And especially not everybody yeah, is operating from a holistic you approach. Know, you know, you know, the change has got to happen within. Yes, and but you know, especially if you are, and um, and perhaps I should quantify this and say, you know, if you are, if you've been in a situation where you've com- continued to see this particular pattern play, uh, a particular pattern play out, of where you had these expectations that you wanted them to meet and they didn't meet them, you know, that you need to start kind of looking at you. Yeah, and well, you you got to look at you because the issue is always coming back up. I mean, if if we look at your situation with this guy, right? It's easy to say, you know, don't read like that. But he kind of shared with you what's going on inside. Inside, he doesn't have value for who he is, and so what's valuable are the shiny things that he do have the material things. And yes, he don't like that women show up as gold diggers when he's showing his gold. But what he's learned, what he's accepted is that this is how you attract women. So what he's looking to do is show his gold and find the woman who's not impressed by the gold and then share his gold with her. Mm -hmm. But that's because like everything else we do, it's our personal paradigm of life based on lack of self-love. When he finds himself and he finds value in himself, all that other stuff isn't important anymore. Yeah, I'm a doctor. That's just what I do. I don't want to talk about that. Property, yeah, you know, I've got some money. I have some property, but I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) You know, he becomes a deeper person. But until he becomes a deeper person, he can only be as shallow as his thoughts and understanding of life has allowed him to be. And so for all of us, it's a matter of getting inside of ourselves and finding the love for who we are because we're all wounded warriors. We're all looking to find love, and by, by far, some of us are looking for love outside of ourselves. The love that we truly want is within ourselves. When you got the love within you, when I love myself so much, then I can love you so much, that you can love you so much, and you can start loving me. That's right. I ripped it off from the song, but it's the truth. (laughs) There's a whole lot of truth in that. And until we get to that point, we do what we know how to do, what we understand how to do, to find love. We put forth whatever we think will get us to love. We put up with whatever stinking garbage we got if we think that some kind of way in the bottom of this filthy garbage can is love until we realize though life may look like it's not going to offer you anything more than what you got, that's a lie. It's not the truth. So what's right for you will come to you. What's yours by by divine right cannot be taken from you. It cannot be stopped. When you find the right love for yourself and you're in the right space, the right person shows up because you can only attract what you are. You can only – and Arlene, I got to say that again because somebody didn't hear me. 
You can <laughs> only attract what you are. And so it doesn't matter what you want. What are you willing to give to be what you want? Then you can attract it because you are it, because you can only attract what you are. All righty. All righty. Um, we will take a quick song break, and we will be right back. You know, the moment you realize you're not alone is your finest hour. When you can finally allow yourself to be seen as you truly are. That's what intimacy is to me. It's acceptance of yourself. I can tell you the truth about me and you can tell me the truth about you and we can still be cool. This relationship, commitment, we're all in this thing together, you know. Life is about connecting, making room for your friends. It's making yourself vulnerable. Don't nobody want to do that. It separates the men from the boys. Intimacy. It's the art of loving, the act of giving and sharing and laughing. It's sensual and seductive, but you ain't got to seduce me. I'm already yours. At some point, you have to come to the understanding that you're an instrument of love. Can you dig it? I thought I knew all there was to know about it, you understand? But I've only been scratching the surface, y'all. Intimacy. I think I'm ready now. back so anyway um <laughs> i'm not quite sure what to say quite after that what you had to say uh reverend harvey but um, why not you know what to say hey i know what to say okay oh well i'll come up with something to say <laughs> <laughs> so you know ladies and gentlemen i you know it Here's here's the thing. Um, the the thing is is that you know on on I guess you could say the deeper level, truly the love that you are seeking is seeking you. Uh, however, there's going to you know in order for you to have a shift or have a shift in your experiences and to you know, not feel so bruised and battered by your experiences that you are you are going to have to be in that place of change a change in having a more loving 
relationship with yourself because, again, you know, we, Reverend Harvey and I will say it over and over again until, you know, it gets through to <laughs> as many people. Until I turn as, blue in the face, yes. and that's really bad because I'm so dark-skinned, I can't turn blue. <laughs> Maybe purple, but you know. <laughs> but you know, when you begin to start loving on yourself and not look for that completion outside of yourself, when you love yourself so much that you you have the type of love that have the type of love for yourself that the source of creation has for you. Then that experience that you're looking for, that that ideal relationship will, you know, appear. But first you have to do the work. You have to get there. You know, you have to do the work to get there. Because all of us all of us have our own personal stories, our own personal histories. Um of things that we picked up as children and patterns that, that don't necessarily serve us and they didn't serve the people who, you know, pass it off to us, but they, they just simply did not know. That's right. So I would like to go ahead and challenge everybody to begin with yourself first, to to start loving on yourself first so that we can have you know, so that you can start loving the rest of the world as much as you want to be loved. That 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 expectation, that love, those uh, that expectation of love should be an expectation that you have of yourself, where you love yourself so deeply and so intimately that. You don't have you don't expect the world to yield to whatever whatever it is you feel that they need to do in order to be complete that that begins to fall away from you, and that deep that that need will no longer get to you no longer be a part of you so that you can get to that place of just enjoying the moment. Enjoying the you know the experience of of being able to celebrate the experience that you're having at that present moment with somebody that you happen to be having dinner with, and understand that this type of love will spread into other areas of your life. Reverend Harvey, do you have anything to share or to add? I think you said it all. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I said it all. Okay. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us this evening, and we will be back. Um, or actually, Reverend Harvey is going to be back in a in few weeks. weeks. Yeah, in two weeks. In two weeks, in the end of consciousness, and it will be as a man thinking. And I use man in a generic sense. So women, I refer to you too, only <laughs> it's not called as a person thinking. It's as a man, as in man and woman. So, yes, join me in two weeks, 7 p.m., right here at the Family Healing Circle as we talk about as we think. Okay. And also, you can actually hear us tomorrow uh, on this station at 730. Yeah, Yeah, we are going to be on Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. 
So please feel free to join us. And um you you know, if you need to get in contact with me or Reverend Harvey, you can reach me myself on my website. It's www.healingparadigms.com. That's H E A L I N G P A R A D I G M S dot com. Uh, to find out more information about relationship coaching, you can also reach us on our website at www.onelove1connection1us.com. And reach Reverend Harvey is still under construction, but his website is www.theonethought.net. Did I say that correctly, Reverend Harvey? You said that perfectly. <laughs> and you can also reach reach out to us through Facebook. Please friend us um, and visit our visit our sites. We have we have a few there. Uh, I have my website or Facebook page of Healing Paradigms, or you can reach me. My name is Reverend Arlene Cahet. That's K A H E T. Or you can reach us through One Love One Connection One Us. And also, you can reach us through Blog Talk Radio slash Family Healing Circle. And my number is area code 240-343-2590. Again, that number is area code 240-343-2590. And Reverend Harvey, you want to give them your number? number? Sure, I think I'll do that. That sounds like a wonderful idea. My number is 410. 410- Six eight seven zero six five eight. That's four ten six eight seven zero six five eight. And if you're in the Baltimore area or traveling to the Baltimore area on February twenty seventh in White Marsh, Maryland, I will be doing a workshop. It is called Relationship Survival. And it will give you the tools that you need to extend the life of your relationship. We talk about sex and money. We talk about understanding the relationship. We talk about how to relate, communicate in a relationship. We talk about putting value in a relationship. We talk about being in the relationship. Now, you think that's easy, but it's really not. A lot of people are in relationships, but they're not, you know. Their body's here with you, but the mind is on the other side of town or somewhere. We're talking about vanquishing relationship fears. Come on, people up. Y'all know y'all got those fears. You've been hurt before. This world is filled with bag ladies and garbage men carrying around all the hurts and pains of the past, afraid to open up and let somebody really in. Oh, you let them come in a little bit, but you ain't willing to open up fully and let them inhabit the house that is your life with you, not the right way. We're talking about accepting a person for who they are, appreciating the person for who they are. And if you've been with us the whole time, you heard Reverend Arlene tell a story about a man who spoke with his pastor, and the pastor told, taught him how to appreciate his wife. By being able to appreciate her, he found peace in his relationship. Accept and appreciate. Accept 
and appreciate the person you're in a relationship with. It can make all the difference. Listen, learn, and love. Listen to what your partner's not saying. Trust me, he or she may be saying a lot, but it's what they're not saying that you need to understand because that's where the true words lie and what they need you to pick up on, what they need you to intuit. Learn how to be in a relationship. If you have continuing education on your job or you're constantly learning new stuff on your job to keep up in your field, you think you shouldn't do that in a relationship? People change. That's why you learn new things on your job. Your job at home is just as important as your job at work. You need to constantly be learning how to be in a relationship. And a lot of people say, I ain't got time for that. I'm in a relationship. Well, maybe you don't have time for that. I just want to say this. 50% of marriages survive. 50%. It's been that way since the mid-'80s. The only difference between now and the mid-'80s is fewer people are actually getting married. And shacking up, the, the, the separation rate of people who shack up is astronomical, much higher than that of marriages that fail. So, hey, maybe you are right. Maybe you don't need to put time into your relationship. Maybe, maybe not. So listen, learn, and love. Come on. What do I need to say about love? Other than I love you all. Good night. We love you. We bless you. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. And we know that wherever you are, God is. Peace and blessings, everyone.
Yeah. 